Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Moore. And this week, I'm going to be talking about multiples. What does it mean for multiple expansion, earnings expansion? Really, let's deconstruct all of the terms you're hearing on TV from the pundits and different analysts. And it's this idea of, do you need earnings growth? Do you need multiple expansion? I think you're going to hear that term a lot in the coming year. And interestingly enough, we'll get to it, but earnings have really been driving the expansion in price. So let's start here. And I'll just say that you know the, the stock's price is, is based upon supply and demand in the end. It doesn't matter what people, you know, it's kind of like your house. It's what people are willing to transact at. And so there's fundamental analysis, there's technical analysis, there's valuation, different things like that. But in the end, momentum and supply and demand really in the long run or in the short run, should I say, determine what a stock's price is. But if we just go over some of the things that you'll hear, so you'll hear things like earnings and shares and stock price and market cap and EPS and PE ratio, and are multiples expanding? Are they contracting? Are earnings expanding or contracting? And so let's just use a real clean example, and then I'll sort of get into a few different versions of this. So let's take a stock that has a million shares outstanding, and they earn a million dollars. Now, typically what happens is when earnings are released, you'll hear the top line and the bottom line as the two main things. The top line is revenues. It's not income. Uh, that's the bottom line. So you have your revenues, you have your income or your earnings per share. So top line is revenue, bottom line is income. And obviously what you sell things for is not necessarily what you make in profit. Your profits are based upon, after all, your cost and everything like that. But let's use a, a stock that has a million dollars in earnings. And if they have a million shares outstanding, Okay, easy enough, right? So, and let's let's say that the stock price is $10. So just from these three bits of information, we can make a couple determinations and, and a couple, um, you know, different metrics out of this. Number one is the market cap. The market cap is the share price, uh, which is $10 times the number of shares. So market cap is, in this case, uh, 10 times a million is 10 million. And our earnings per share, since we have a million dollars in earnings, easy enough, a million shares, our earnings per share is a dollar. So a dollar per share. And we know from that that if PE is, uh, if the stock's trading at 10 and our EPS or earnings per share is a dollar, then our price to earnings ratio, 10 divided by one, is a 10 PE. And a lot of you are probably saying, Okay, I'm going to turn the channel if this is all you're going to talk about, because this seems pretty easy. But I, I'd like to, I'd rather just deconstruct it so we don't lose uh, those folks who might be tuning in and say, wait, wait a second, what is this PE ratio? What does that mean? What does it mean for a market cap? And by the way, um, a lot of times that you see this delineated either on a per share basis, or you'll just hear the raw numbers. And so I could take the uh, the market cap of 10 million divided by the uh, you know the share uh, the earnings and I could come up with a PE as well but a lot of times it's easier to to break it down on a per share basis and so we could see 
what's called multiple expansion. When we say multiple, the multiple is your price to earnings. How many multiples of price is your is your stock trading at? The multiple in the example we just went through was 10. But what if we change things up a little bit? And part of the reason why I wanted to do this is I have been getting some questions on this and a lot of analysts are calling for multiple expansion in 2022. So that's this is kind of the base that I'm leading to. I'm going to go over some of the things we're seeing in the S&P and some terms there. So let's say that earnings stay the same, still that same dollar per share. But now price goes up to 20. So market cap is now 20 million, 20 times a million, right? Market cap at 20 million. Our earnings are still a million. Our EPS is still a dollar. Our price goes to 20. Well, that is going to result in a P.E. ratio of 20. 20 divided by 1, price divided by earnings per share, is 20. And that is an example of multiple expansion, meaning the multiple that the market is giving this stock has expanded. It's trading at a greater ratio to its earnings now. It went from a 10 P.E. to a 20 P.E., but nothing changed on earnings. All that happened was the price went up. And some of you might be saying, well, wait a second. Why would people buy that? Well, this gets into supply demand, momentum, expectations about the future. What's the overall market doing? Um, so more on that later, though. Okay, now let's let's change things up a little bit. What if the earnings doubled at the same time the price doubled? And I think you're starting to come around to what I'm doing here. Okay, so earnings went from a million to $2 million, still that same million shares. $2 earnings per share, price is 20. And now what happened? Well, 20 divided by two, we're at that same 10 PE ratio. We're trading at 10 times earnings. So there, uh, the multiple stayed the same, earnings doubled. And so we can say in that example, earnings are driving the expansion in price, not multiple expansion. And by the way, you don't have to have either or. You can have a combination of, of the two for sure. Okay. So now what would happen if multiple contracted? All right. Let's stick with our earnings per share of two. Uh, but this time, instead of going to $20, our price remained at 10 $10 divided by $2 per share earnings gives us a 5 PE, a $5 price to earnings ratio. And in this case, earnings doubled, but the multiple contracted. And you're like, wait a second, earnings doubled. Why wouldn't they set that aside? Supply and demand, buyers and sellers, momentum, markets, environment, all that type of stuff uh, is really what drives the end price. The inputs and the information are what causes people to make those decisions. But that's a case where the multiple actually contracted. Now, of course, you can have combinations of this. You could have the multiple contract a little bit, but earnings grow and price go up or vice versa. But I think it, I wanted to, to cover a little bit, uh, just, you know, kind of, Kind of one of the deals with uh, with this is it, you can get lost really quickly, all right? All right, so let's go over another couple things. 
And one of the things you've probably heard in the news uh, recently, I think I was watching CNBC over the, the last week, and they talked about, hey, you know, we've seen a lot of buybacks, companies buying back their own shares. And I'll give you some examples in a little bit. I mean, Apple has, it's not half the, the amount of shares that they had 10 or 15 years ago, but it's close. So what do buybacks do? Well, think about a, a, a buyback is, in my opinion, a, a quasi-dividend. So if a company wants to return capital to the shareholders, they can issue dividends. That means usually on a quarterly basis or on a one-time basis. Sometimes they call it a special dividend. But a company can go out and say, okay, we're going to pay out the shareholders. We're essentially going to send them a check. That's not really how it works anymore. It just shows up in your brokerage account. But there's an alternative to dividends. A company could also take the excess free cash flow and instead of issuing it to shareholders and paying them out as a dividend, they could also take that money and buy back their own stock. Thus sort of, you know, getting rid of shares outstanding. And here's how this works. Same example. Earnings of $10, price of $10, we're back to our initial one. A million shares outstanding, a million dollars in earnings, our PE is 10. 10 divided by 1 is 10. But what happens if the company goes and buys back 100,000 shares? We go from a million shares to 900,000 shares. But earnings didn't change. So now we have a million dollars in earnings, only 900,000 shares. Now we have EPS went from 1 to $1, $1. Uh, one, 0.11 or $1.11. Nothing changed. Million dollars in earnings, but the share count is less. So 1.11. Now, $10 stock price divided by 1.11. You round, you round that, and it's about a nine PE ratio. So the multiple decreased. Earnings stayed the same, but the shares decreased. And it's that share count that caused earnings per shares to grow. And hence, when we do the math, it's a lower PE. And so, I, you know, buybacks are sort of in the news a little bit. And, and there's some politicians who don't like them. They're like, you know, companies should not be buying back their own stock. But I don't hear politicians complaining about dividends. And dividends, if it's a non-qualified account, meaning a non-retirement account, uh, shareholders who don't necessarily need the, in, the income, dividends as income, uh, would rather, I think, in, in a lot of cases, to have share buybacks because the tax situation, you don't get taxed on when company buys back its own stock. You do get taxed on dividends. And I'm, I won't get into the tax code. But of course, if your company's buying back shares and, and in, in lieu of dividends and the share price goes up, when you sell it, uh, you can wind up paying capital gains. Uh, but some prefer buybacks to dividends because they want to control when they pay the taxes or trigger the taxes. Okay, so the other thing, I guess, um, oh, you know what? Let's cover this too. So you probably heard in the news, was it GameStop or AMC? And I'm not going to go into those stocks, but AMC issued a lot of shares. And so the thing is, what we have to look at is if, if a company buys back and reduces the flow to their shares outstanding, the remaining shareholders 
on an earnings per share basis, it's more value, more valuable per, per share because you're sharing the, the, the income across less shares. But companies can issue shares as well. And so let's, uh, real quick, same example, million dollars in earnings. But let's say instead of reducing to 900,000, we go from a million to a million 200,000 shares. Same earnings, $10. Well, now uh, a million divided by 1.2 million is 0.83 cents per share, earnings per share. 10 divided by 0.83 is a 12 PE. And so now our multiple went up, our earnings per share went down because now you have more shares that are sharing the same earnings. All right. So, and it is kind of interesting. I said, uh, I'll go into uh, a couple, what I think are interesting examples, but uh, just to give you, since I sort of teased it a little bit, I'm looking at Apple ends their fiscal year in, in September. So that's their, um, you know, you don't have to have a fiscal year that goes January 1st to December 31st. Looks like they had a little over 26 billion shares outstanding in uh, September of 2011, the end of their fiscal year. At the end of their fiscal year in 2021, which was September 25th, they had a little bit more than 16 billion shares outstanding. All right. And just put a, it's, it's, a, it's less than half, but it's a, they reduced their float by about 37% from 2011 through 2021, so over 10 years, they bought back stock. More on Apple, though, in a bit, though. Because um, I want to, you know, these numbers are fine, but then what does it mean in, in regards to the overall market? So you always hear, you know, the S&P is expensive or the Schiller PE, the CAPE ratio. And you hear earnings per share and you also hear forward earnings per share. Earnings per share are looking backwards. The last four quarters that have been reported, they have earned, they're already out. Those are the earnings. And sure, they could be revised at different times. But for our purposes, let's just say, you know, it is what it is. Those are the earnings that came out. And so that's the P.E. ratio. The, the forward P.E. ratio means, okay, what do analysts think? It's not certainty, but what analysts think the earnings are going to be over the next four quarters. And based upon those estimates, which by the way change, you have what's called a forward PE. So in our initial example, if, uh, if I go back to our, our really simple one, which is let's say earnings over the last four quarters were a million, shares a million, uh, earnings per share is a dollar. Stock price 10, you have a PE of 10. What if, though, analyst estimates say earnings are going to double over the next four quarters to $2 million? Okay. Well, if the stock price is trading at, at 10 and you have a million shares outstanding, it means the expectation is earnings per share will go from $1 to $2. Those are estimates, not a certainty. If the stock's trading at 10, you would say it has a forward one-year PE of 5. $10 divided by estimated $2 per share is a PE of five. So of last count, at least this was December 16th in the S&P, uh, we we're trading about a 21.19 times one year forward. 
And where does that rank? Well, it's historically, it's uh, you know, it's above the twenty-five year average, which is about sixteen point eight percent. Of course, you know, I'm I'm not making a statement about whether that's high or low or things are overvalued, undervalued. Remember, supply and demand, momentum. People use information to make trading decisions. And in the end, if nobody wants to buy something, nobody wants to buy it. If everybody sells something, everybody sells it. But we started the conversation off with regards to, is there multiple growth or expansion, multiple contraction, earnings growth, earnings reductions, earnings, uh, you know, what do you call it? What's the opposite of growth? I guess it's reduction, right? And so if we go back to year to date and we look at the S&P earnings and valuations, we see the S&P is up about 24.3%. Well, so what drove that growth? Was it multiple growth, meaning earnings were the same and people up the PEs or, or the multiples you know, by 24%. Well, interestingly enough, over the last year, earnings growth represented, uh, was up 30.6% or, or the share of the return. So earnings growth share of the return was 30.6%. Multiple actually contracted, multiples contracted year to date, 2021. And they were down 6.3%. So that's how you get that price return. And this is where we start to the basis for our discussion today is that I think what you're hearing in on CNBC and I think what you're going to continue to hear is uh, people are going to make their year-end targets. And they usually come out with predictions and some are good, some are bad. And by the way, if you make predictions and you're wrong, uh, you just keep making more predictions, right? I mean, think about it, all the people who called for the end of time doomsday crash every year for the last 20 years or 10 years, right? So I think what's going to happen is you're going to hear people talk about, okay, do I think, if I think the market's going to go up, do I think earnings are going to go up? Or do I think that multiples will expand, meaning the price that someone is willing to pay for a company, uh, you actually pay more based upon earnings. And so multiple expansion, remember that's that's uh, how much people are willing to pay over the earnings. Or you could have earnings growth. You could have earnings growth. And by the way, you could have earnings growth and you know, let's say you have 10% earnings growth, but multiple growth is negative 20%. So it, it you could have both, okay? But I've been getting questions on this because a lot of people are saying, oh, I think, I think multiple is going to re-rate. I think, that, you know, that type of thing. So it is interesting too, if you go back and, uh, it, you know, one of the things with earnings and about price is some people say, well, why would somebody buy a stock, any stock, you know, when, it, when it's trading at 100 PE or something like that? Or, you know, why, why would uh, anybody pay for a company that is only, only earning a little bit of money and they're trading, you know, 200 times earnings? Well, the reason why they do that is generally because they believe 
that the company can sort of grow into the, the multiple. What do I mean by that? Well, let, let's look at a company like Amazon. And if I go back, uh, December of, uh, now their fiscal year ends in December, so we don't have the full year 2021 yet. But if I look at different points in their, their history, in 2014, there was no PE because they had negative 52 cents per share. I mean, they lost money. And Amazon's kind of interesting in that, I mean, really their earnings per share only accelerated or expanded in 18, 19, 20, and I, I believe 21 as well. You know, for a lot of years, they, they had very low earnings per share, and some years were negative. But if I go back to, uh, let's say, 2015, their PE was 463. Uh, their earnings per share were $1.27. They made $596 million in earnings. And they had, uh, what do they have? 470, 800,000 and change shares. So their EPS was 1.27. Their stock price was 587. They were trading 463 times their earnings. Now, Amazon, by the way, has more shouts, uh, shares outstanding. If I go back to, uh, I guess, 2010, they had 451 million shares. At the end of 20, they had 503 million shares outstanding. Theirs has been a little more constant as I'm looking at it. I'm not going to read off all the years for you. You probably tune out on that. But I did think it was interesting. I went back and I said, what if we looked at, uh, let's see, what if we went back and looked at what you could have bought on a forward basis, a uh, stock like Amazon? And because you can't see this, I'll, I'll kind of do this on a high level. Uh, we know that in 2020, earnings were you know, about $21.3 billion. Uh, the shares outstanding were $503 million. It ended the year trading at a little over a $42, uh, $42 in earnings per share. You know, the stock price was $3,300 and change, $42, call it a $78 PE. But I, if I go back to 2005, and I say, what were the earnings back then? Well, they made $359 million. You might think that's, that's a lot. Uh, they had 416 million shares outstanding. It means their earnings per share was $0.86 cents per share. And by the way, they were trading at a 45 PE. But what if we say, okay, now I know this is a ridiculous example because nobody does this. But I was like, okay, on a forward basis and and this is really an academic exercise. What was their forward 15-year PE? Like, did the company grow into the PE? Did it grow into the multiple that it was, it was you know, using back then? And so if I use the, the 2020 earnings of that, you know, 21.3 billion and the 2005 share counts, uh, it's the forward EPS would be $51. I mean, you could have bought it uh, you know, the stock price was, uh, you know, 45 bucks. 51 was the, uh, the earnings per share in 2020. So on a 15-year forward basis, you could have bought it at less than one times future 2020 earnings. Academic exercise for sure. But the reason why I bring this up is companies can grow into their multiples, meaning their earnings could increase 
over time, meaning, oh, I, I bought the company, and eventually the earnings caught up. Uh, and so the, the multiple was warranted. Other times, companies uh, don't live up to the multiple, and they either don't make as much or don't make as much to, to warrant that. Now, Apple, you could have bought Apple, uh, oh, at about four times. It's uh, in 2011, it's four times uh, uh, 10-year forward PE. Again, academic exercises. So, all right, so what do, what do we go over today? And this is one of those episodes, I think. I always get questions on this. And we hear the quote-unquote experts on TV talking about multiples re-rating, EPS expansion, earnings expansion versus multiple expansion, all that type of stuff. I heard, uh, I think Tom Lee was on CNBC, and he was saying, I didn't catch the whole thing, but he expects multiples to increase. Again, supply and demand, momentum, all these types of things. And that's the the point I'll sort of transition to. In all of this, um, and this is why th there's that value in hedging, and by the way, if uh, if you're interested in how we hedge and, and some of our strategies or just have questions or suggestions on the program, uh, I'll give you my email. It's uh, Derek, D-E-R-E-K dot Moore, M-O-O-R-E at ZegaFinancial.com. And Zega is spelled Z as in zebra, E as in Eddie, G as in George, A as in Apple, financial. Financial's up to you. Uh, but the reality is when analysts or when you're trying to put a value on a company, a lot of times you have to make assumptions and, and estimates. And you do that for maybe the next three, five, 10 years. And you discount those future earnings down back to the present. Remember, a dollar you earn in five years isn't worth the same as a dollar you earn today. And interest rates matter because you've got to discount it down based upon a, a risk-free rate or some other discount rate. And then what you normally do is after sort of that initial period, you assume the company is going to become an older company and sort of move along and you, and you have what's called a terminal rate or a terminal rate of growth or, a, you know, how, how long is the company going to grow forever? And, and are they going to grow at, you know, 3% a year, assume, assuming forever? The thing is, though, all of this is a little bit academic. And since you don't know what markets are going to do, and depending upon what your time frame is, um, this is why I believe in hedging so much and the idea of looking to try and achieve growth, but at the same time having a floor in the portfolio. Because all of this is, in the end, um, you know, when you, you buy the risk when you invest in markets. And if you're right before retirement, in retirement, or you're fear, fearful of markets, you know, that, that's a sort of a different discussion. So anyway, uh, we'll, uh, I'll remind everybody to, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear from listeners. And uh, I still have the offer, anyone who uh, is actually listening in uh, Gibraltar, I will send an uh, signed autograph book to uh, the first listener who uh, emails me from that region. And uh, it's, by the way, it's got to be a, I don't even know how much it will cost me to send a book, but, um, you know, it has to be an address there. It can't be, can't be using an IP, uh, what do they call those? The, the thing where you hide your IP address or you, you change uh, 
a VPN. So, you know, that won't work. But uh, it's, uh, it always amazes me. We have listeners all over the world. And uh, as I mentioned before, thank you. November was the highest month ever for downloads. So we'll see. Uh, and December is trending really well. So go ahead and share this with someone you think might find it valuable. Even someone who might not find it valuable. that They might not ever listen to a podcast before. And keep the questions coming. With that, we'll see you next week. <laughs>